The sermon today basically come off Valentine's, uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, Lord started dealing with me a couple of weeks ago, and, and that's in your sermon title today, is are we dating God or are we married to God? And, and that's where I think we got to be really careful a lot of times. Uh, I don't care who you ask in America, uh, 90% of them are going to tell you they're saved and, and they know God. And, and I really struggle with that because they sure don't show it through their fruits. And, and the Lord really hit me. Are we dating him or are we married to him? And there's a difference between dating and a difference between being married. And that good old scripture that, that blessed me that from Mark 12:30 that's in your bulletin as well. And I don't know who, I think I'm pretty sure it's Giselle that made the bulletin this week. But Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. And, and that's what a love relationship is with God, that, that he's given us everything. And guys, those are the two points today. Uh, he gives us everything. And we're going to get into that towards the end because without it, none of the other matters. But, but we need to give him everything, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our being, everything that we have. And that's what this marriage is based on. Marriage is based on giving everything up to God. And as I was building this, it kind of started in youth, and then we went to Golden City, and then I preached at Carthage, and then I, Lord just kept working this over in me more and more and more and to what we're into today. But he showed me how our forefathers that, that founded this great nation, they knew how to be married to God. And, and I'm just going to share you some examples today on the, what our country was built on that shows you that our forefathers not only knew God, but they loved him and considered themselves married to God. And, and you know, the first service, I kind of felt a critical spirit, like that's old and done, that's in the past, and we're past that already, and the Lord really spoke to me, you know, maybe we're living in the past, and we need to start living like they did. And married to God, and like God is, is that ultimate awesome person in our life. And so, as I was going through all this today, uh, you know, I got to thinking I, the old good love chapter in Ephesians, where it talks about Christ as the head of the church, his body, and in himself as Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, in other words, that love relationship. That, that love relationship that we know that Christ is ahead, that we need to submit to him, surrender all that we are to him, and he's going to bless our life. You know, that was just front and center. But then I look back in our, our marriage vows. And again, that's what blessed me about the bulletin today. I didn't tell them to do this. You see the ring. You see the Bible verse. You see that how they based everything in their marriages on the things of God. And so I just started thinking here today that, that most of us in this room have taken wedding vows. And, and we've had vows that we said before the Lord. And today I just wanted to run a wedding vow that, that I believe that these vows were again written hundreds of years ago. That we've tweaked a little bit, took out the these and the vows. But the essence is that, that our marriages is based on the love we should have for God. And I think over here, Dad, Mom, how long have you guys been married? 80 years? Huh? 57, I was close. So they've been married 57 years, but I know that my mom and dad probably said these vows, and this is just one of three they could have said. I, Larry, in the name of God, take you, Doris, to be my, my wife. 
to have, did I say this backwards? Everybody's laughing at me all of a sudden. But, but to, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by the death. This is my solemn vow. They made a vow, a pact, a relationship with each other, and they've been together that many years because of what they based their marriage on, again, was God. But they loved each other and cared for each other the same way that we should love and care for each other with God. And I thought about these vows that, that when we accepted Christ, I looked over the, the vows that we might say when we're baptized. But just think if we would say these vows here in the name of God, I can't. Take you, Jesus, to be my God, to have and to hold from this day forward. You guys realize through the songs we sang today that, that God loves us so much. You guys realize you made the Lord's day by coming in here today and worshiping him? That when you were singing, that you were praising, that you were just giving yourself to God today, just by walking in these doors, that you blessed his day that you moved upon him. So when you hear those people say, we bless you, God, a lot of times I'm like, how can we bless God? We bless God with our presence. We bless God with all that we have. We bless God by saying, God, I need help in this situation. But, but God loves it when we come together and, and we just hold on to him from this day forward. And for better and for worse, for richer and for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and cherish. And, and I think about that so many times that we get angry when we don't feel well or we get upset when something happens to us. Uh, just this week, if you can see here, I don't know if you can tell, but, but I actually thought I cut my finger off. Uh, whenever it happened, I looked on the floor expecting to see my finger laying there. And anyway, I was doing some cutting and, and anyhow, long story short, I was doing all the safety things, but God, why did you allow this to happen to me? I'm the preacher of Oakton. Come on. That isn't how I responded. But so many times that's the way we respond whenever, you know, things happen in our lives. When actually we need to be crying out to God and say, God, I don't know why this happened, but Lord, I call upon you to heal me so that I can accomplish what you called me to do. And so that we stick to God, we stay close to God in sickness and in health. We stay close to him all of our life until we are with him forever and ever. This is my solemn vow. We honor him. And that's what marriage is. That's what it is to be married to God. Dating God means you're going to give him what little time you have. But being married to God is saying, God, you got all of me. The second example I'd like to say today and share with you today is setting right over here the pledge, the flag. You guys see it over here? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You can sit down now. Who told you guys to get to your feet? Who, who told you to? Who told you to get up and do that? Nobody did. You honored the flag. And I want you to remember that because the Lord, he told me to do that. And I was like, God, please let him stand up or it's going to kill the example. <laughs> and so you did good today. You did really good. But I knew you would honor the flag. And the Lord basically said, you need to honor him the same way. Do you come to attention? Do you come to attention with God in your life? 
And, and that's what this pledge is saying today. We recite this pledge over and over, but under means directly below God. Did you guys get that? Our forefathers said that we're directly below you. They realized that God was number one in their life and they gave the same respect and attention to God that they gave that flag. Do I get an amen on that? Amen. Do we give God the same attention and respect that we give the flag today? Do we come to honor and to stand before him when he's in the house? Were we worshiping him today? Were we praising him today? Or is it like, oh, do I got to stand up again? Oh, do I got to sing another song? Oh, do I got to do this? No, we get to do that. But under God means that you're directly below him and you realize that he's number one and he's all things. Indivisible means unable to divide or separate America, but also to be able to separate us from God. They were saying that we're not only under you, God, but nothing's going to separate us from you. They went on to say liberty in that, that anthem, that, that, that means freedom, independence from captivity or sin. They realized that Christ set them free, and they're not going to allow anybody to take that freedom away from us, that we're going to be able to worship God in this country, and nobody can do a thing about it. Do we get that today? Liberty, justice, the quality of being fair and reasonable to each other. That's what this nation was founded on. That's what a marriage relationship is with, with God is, is taking it to the highest levels, getting involved in orange and saying, man, the church is doing that with my children. I'm going to get involved and we're going to do it together. And this is going to be an excellent, excellent ministry with the Lord. The second thing or third thing, I don't know where I'm at now, but the national anthem. Oh, say, can you see? And I'm going to stop there. Because I'm not a good singer. But you guys, how many of you realize there's four verses in that song? You guys know that? We just sing the first verse of the football games, the basketball games and all that. But there's a fourth verse in that. And I've got it behind me up here. And, and we're going to jump down. And we're going to read, Blessed with the victor and peace, may the heaven rescued hand praise the power that had made and preserved us as a nation. God, the conqueror must, when of cause it is just, and this be our motto. In other words, our belief. I'm as at Freeman, if you guys ever see that, smile and greet within 10 feet. Me and a committee designed that 25 years ago. It was our motto at Freedom that, that Freeman, that's what we we're going to be about. But that, the country's motto, our beliefs as a nation, then it says, in God our, is our trust. That's our motto as a nation. Trust means a firm belief in God, a firm reliability on God, a firm trust in his truth. We believe our ability is in the strength of God. That's what that means in that part of that, that song. Well, how many of you have heard about the blue laws? How many knows what blue laws are? Anybody? How many have got 10 maybe in the church know what blue laws are? Usually it's people over 50 that know what blue laws are. People under 50 probably don't know what they are. But blue laws are also known as Sunday laws. These laws are designed to restrict or ban some or all Sunday activities for religious reasons, particularly to promote the observance of, day, of a day of worship and rest. Do we take the Sabbath? Do we have a Sabbath? 
And so I began to look through here and look at some of these blue laws. And these are the ones that I found. I quickly did this again. I put about four things together today that I believe the Lord wanted to speak to us. But Arkansas, and these are ones that I think are still in the books. Last I, I mean, I'm pretty sure are. But Arkansas, the sale of alcohol is banned in 39 counties of 75. They're dry counties. This was honored in Washington, D.C. until 2012. And then, then it was allowed. Then we look at Illinois about gambling. Horse racing is prohibited on Sundays unless authorized by local government. That's Illinois. This, these are on the record right now. Uh, Missouri, I guess it's okay if we go to pay off schools, right? How's that work? You know, is it okay then? Maine was the last New England state to repeal laws that prohibited department stores from opening on Sundays. And this was 1990s. Uh, Thanksgiving, it's still against the law to be open in Maine. Do you guys realize that stores were closed on Sundays when I was a kid? I mean, you might be able to go out to eat somewhere, but, but not very often. There weren't very many pieces, people open. In Massachusetts, they protect the Sabbath with a day of rest. Uh, the statute provides that all employees are entitled to one day off from work in seven calendar days. In other words, if they work and pass that, they get paid time and a half. Uh, this one here I thought was funny. In 1677, the General Assembly of East New Jersey banned the singing of vain songs or tunes on the Sabbath. Man, our, our, our forefathers took stuff serious, didn't they? I'm going to really step on some toes here. You don't want to be in North Carolina if you like to hunt. Gun hunting is prohibited on Sundays between 9.30 and 12.30 p.m. You wouldn't want to live in Virginia at all. Deer hunting, turkey hunting, dove hunting, duck hunting are all illegal on Sundays. Pick a choice. Organized sports competition on Sunday was illegal in Pennsylvania until 1931 when challenged by the Philadelphia A's. The laws were changed permitting only baseball to be played on Sunday. All these things were to honor the Sabbath. These were laws and rules and regulations that our forefathers put into place. Why? Because they believed in marriage and not dating. And again today, guys, I, I hope you really listen to this because look where our nation is today. You know, we may sit up there, we've progressed. Yeah, we have. We've become a people of progressiveness. We've become a people of humanism thinking. But maybe we ought to get back to what our forefathers believed because these things worked back then. And look at the nation that made us today. And maybe we ought to start doing some things that they did in the past. I don't know. I'm not getting much amens now, people. It got me too, sister. <laughs> Another one I thought about today is prayer in the, in the Bible. They were very important to the forefathers. The Bible and prayer were implemented in the first schools. The Bible was the curriculum. The kids learned how to spell and how to read from the Bible. And everybody said, well, that's the only book they had. Praise God, that's the only book. My, I wish that's the only book my kid had. In the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries, it was all common practice. It was common practice for public schools to open with an oral prayer or Bible reading. In the 1920s to 1940s, 45, there was a move of the Holy Spirit that took place in our nation, and prayer and Bible reading became law, or was asked to become law in the schools, and was passed in many states that they prayed and read the Word. We all know then in 1962 that prayer and Bible were taken out of schools. Example number six, monies in God we trust. 
It's on every bill. I believe the forefathers knew that how big of a hold that money would have on people, that, that they would, would worship money, that they would follow money. They quit going to Sabbath so they could work, so they could get money. I believe they put in God we trust on the dollar bill to remind them that, hey, God's above money even. God's above everything. In God we trust. We don't trust in this dollar bill to get us by. We don't trust in anything to get us by, but we trust in God. And I believe they remembered 1 Timothy 3, 3, that, that not, be not greedy for money. And I think they put these as reminders out there for them to remind themselves that they were married to God and not dating God. Take it for what it's worth today. But I think that's why we've become such a great nation because they strived and they worked and were intentional about worshiping the Lord. Example number seven, the Ten Commandments were, are posted outside schools, outside government houses, and not everywhere, but in some places. Uh, pictured was art etched around the commandments, including the tiny tablets in its original chiseled language, the American bald eagle and the flag, all seen pyramid eye, two stars of David, a monogram of Christ. Formerly, this was a model, but anyway, I won't get into that, but you can see what or, or that area at least thought about the Ten Commandments. But it was important to our forefathers. It was important enough because they realized we need to be married to God and not dating God. And that we just can't date God and expect things to happen in our life, that we got to be fully sold out to the Lord. But I sat there and I look at all these things today and, and it just baffles my mind. But the one that really got me out of all of these is the last one I'll share with you today. And this is actually how it started. I was watching the news the other day, and, and this was, a, it's on behind me, but it said only married couples, this is a law that's still on the records in Virginia. Only married couples can have sex, according to the legal loophole still on the books in Virginia. It's in the Bible too, by the way. Democratic state legislators in the Virginia House of Delegates repealed the crime of fornication last week in the state that has long used the slogan, Virginia is for lovers to attract tourists. Currently, fornication is a class four misdemeanor and carries a fine up to $250. On the records now, they're trying to get it off. What really got me on this is this is America today. Man, we want to be known as a state of lovers, so we're just going to date God right now. Take this out of our laws and rules. Get it out of there so that we can fornicate and just do whatever we want to do. That's, been, that's dating God. Being married to God is realizing the word of God is true. If Virginia wants to grow financially, then sell out to God. And you're going to be blessed financially. You're going to be blessed physically. You're going to be blessed spiritually. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But what intrigued me the most is they're carried a $250 fine for fornication. Back in the day, that was probably like $1,000 today. It was a big deal. And I don't think our forefathers were judgmental because I think they just loved each other and loved God and put these laws in effect to protect themselves. Laws are there to protect you. You break the speed limit. I wrecked an Oakton corner down there at 110 one night, two sheets of the wind because why? I was breaking the law. I was drunk. I was breaking the speed limit. Those things protected me. And when I broke them, that's what happened to me. We set these laws in place to protect us and love us. And I believe that's how much that they cared for each other and cared for God. Man, they just, they just had a love for each other. 
Well, I asked a police officer the other day, you know, what's a, a class four misdemeanor in Lamar? And they said, probably assault. And I thought, isn't that so real that if, if that's assault, that, that's what carries that penalty. That's that class four or whatever. So what they were saying is that, that when you have sex outside of marriage, that, that you're bringing assault against your own body and the body of the person you're with. That brings harm. You're assaulting that person when you're, when you're having sex outside of marriage. Man, that just blew my mind. That how they had a handle on all this stuff. That they knew that if they had sex outside of marriage, it was going to bring damage to them. And they were trying to protect that. To the point they put a fine on it. Man, that's what I call being married to God. So we need to be intentional about being in prayer and in God's word and in God's honoring God's Sabbath. So how can we do that today? The Lord showed me a word the other day for a gentleman in the church, and, and it just built from there. And the Lord told me to share you guys after I'd shared it with him because I think it's for the whole body. But if you'll turn to me to Daniel 6, chapter 5, or we'll start in verses 1, but Daniel 1, or 6, 1 through 5. But Daniel had an excellent spirit, and that's what I want you to remember as you turn there or look at the board behind me. But it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these governors, these three, or over these three governors whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governor and satrap sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of God. Now on the overhead behind me, I put verse 5 in the NLT version. It says, so they concluded our only chance of finding grounds to, for accusing Daniel will be connecting with the, with the rules of his religion. And so as we look at this scripture, the Lord really spoke, spoke to me that Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because he had an excellent spirit. That spirit was in him. That excellent spirit means extremely good. Daniel did all that he did extremely well. He worked on his relationship with God and he did it extremely well. And that's all he cared about was growing in the things of God. And God gave us that same excellent spirit. Whenever we accept Jesus Christ, our personal savior, Christ's spirit comes into us and we have an excellent spirit. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the spirit of Jesus resides in us. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. Jesus makes us excellent spiritually and physically. One of my favorite Bible verses is, and I used it with a young football team that had never won a football game, and we started coaching, and I shared this scripture with them. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father, Colossians 3, 17. And we went on that year to play for the Super Bowl. We lost. Went on the next year to play for the Super Bowl, and we lost. But God took them to higher places when they started doing what they were called to do excellently, 
And we began to pray and just seek God. And man, things changed. So we see this with Daniel here, that, that he became the lowest to the highest. The other thing I noticed in that, the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. The king noticed him. The king will notice us when we are excelling in our relationship with him. What better way to show our love for Christ is to just to live our life in an excellent way. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't have to do anything. You know, well, God, the only thing he called us to do is love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbors ourselves. But he also said in James 2.20 in the Bible, faith apart from works is useless. But we need to walk in the spirit of excellence and be faithful in the things of God. And when we do that, we're going to see that God promotes us. Uh, do you guys realize that Daniel, uh, you know, he was promoted. We've seen it in the scripture there. That he did the things of God in an excellent way. He worked on his relationship with God. He did everything he could, the best he could. And God, guys, keep in mind that we make mistakes. I make mistakes. But we need to do the best, best we can to be excellent in the things of God and our relationship with God. And we see that Daniel was blessed. That he took Daniel from the lowest to the highest position. But guys, it's bigger than that. If you study Daniel out, I would say that he worked for at least four kings and maybe five. And people don't realize that, that Daniel for sure started at the bottom four times and had an excellent spirit and made it to the top at least four times, if not five. That excellent spirit was upon him. And I'm going to share a story with you guys. And, it, and again, I'm not bragging today. I'm, on me, I'm bragging on God. But when we walk in an excellent spirit, God will promote us. And we need to realize that when we walk in an excellent marriage with him, He's going to promote us in the things of God spiritually and physically. I started sweeping cigarette butts at Freeman Hospital, but I walked in the spirit of excellence. That was a very humbling job. I can remember a doctor one day flipping a cigarette butt at my feet after I just cleaned up. And I wanted to go beat him over the head with a broom because he thought he was all that. But I, with an excellent spirit, forgave him and went over and swept it up and continued just to do my job. I did it with an excellent spirit. The people noticed that within, inside the facilities, and they promoted me to grounds coordinator. I walked in the spirit of excellence, and they promoted me to carrier supervisor. I walked in the spirit of excellence, and they promoted me to engineering facilities east supervisor. I walked in the spirit of excellence, and they promoted me to security supervisor. I walked in the spirit of excellence, and they promoted me to safety officer. I walked in the spirit of excellence, and they promoted me to crisis prevention supervision. And then I had a chance to run for department head over the, that system, and, and, or, but God promoted me to Oakton. And, and, and again, because he did it all, but we just needed to walk in a spirit of excellence, meaning we do the best that we can to do what God's called us to do. And I thought, you know, what's some examples of a spirit of excellence? Well, you want to be promoted at work? This is one of my biggest pet peeves when I manage people. I got so tired of hearing it when I worked with them. And then as their boss, you pay me beans and I'm going to work for beans. That's not a spirit of excellence. Don't expect to be promoted if you're going around floating that around. You decided to take a job at the wage you took it at. You work it as a spirit of excellence. That's what Christ is talking about. That's how to work in your relationship with God. You love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You love your neighbors yourself. That's a spirit of excellence. But another spirit of excellence is pray to God. 
Honor the Sabbath. Honor God's word. And when we do this, we'll be promoted again and again and again and again. God will push us higher and higher. I've seen it with my own life. I've seen it in my children's life. I've seen it with other people. We honor our God with our mouths and with our actions. Another thing is hanging out in sinful places to promote yourself is not operating in an excellent spirit. Uh, hanging out in bars and oh, I'm ministering. Well, if, are you leading people to Christ? We don't need to promote ourselves. God will promote us. We need to live with a spirit of excellence. Being late to everything is not a spirit of excellence. Uh, this society today, guys, has got a problem with being late. And, and it's one of my biggest pet peeves, but that's not a spirit of excellence. I guarantee you, Daniel wasn't late. You know, after I preached this, <laughs> I was late three times. I preached this last this part last Sunday at Carthage. And I've been late three times since then. And I thought, Lord, you're just trying to show me, aren't you? See how when things get bad, we start blaming God. Well, one of the deals is, is I get up the other day and I'm heading out to a meeting. I can't find my car keys anywhere. And I finally call my wife because she knows all to get that, guys. Learn from me. And she said, honey, I got your keys with me. Okay, honey, I love you. But I know there's times that things happen and we're going to be late. But, but every day, every hour, nah, that's not a spirit of excellence. Walking in anger is not a spirit of excellence. I can go on through this. Another one that really blessed me the other day is that the Lord was dealing with me on this. And Karen and I had been to Joplin and, and she wanted to get some groceries. So she was inside and I was typing and working on this. And the Lord had me work up, walk, look up at her. And she comes out with a cart. And I was so captivated by her beauty that I let her unload the cart. You know, and she unloaded the cart. And, and anyway, I thought, man, she's a good gal. And then she's like going back. I thought, what's she doing? She took the cart back inside the store. That's a spirit of excellence. And we don't think about these things. But, but guys, I think it's in the smallest things. We are Christ-like and we're in love with God. We want to be like Christ. So we're excellent in all things. Well, I got my confirmation the other day. We went to buy some stuff. I guess I don't even know what we're buying for, the church or me or whoever. And Jim was with me. And, and anyway, we took, or he's a, Jim's the assistant pastor, and, and we were coming out to the truck, and we loaded up the stuff, and, and so I just left the cart there, and I just start watching Jim. Jim grabs the cart, and he takes it back inside, and he comes back outside, and I said, Jim, you got an excellent spirit. And he looks at me like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. And I said, we'll talk about it Sunday. But Jim had an excellent spirit that day. You know, I hear a lot of times that you know, when I talk about tithing or we talk about tithing, they say, well, that's Old Testament. It's under the law. And they gave 10% there. Well, I think about now we got an excellent spirit. We need to give God everything. Do you ever think about it that way? Man, and under the old law, they were tied down. Under the new law, we have an excellent spirit. We can give everything to God. This is one of my favorite because I hear it all the time. But when the feed store gives us an extra bag of feed, that isn't God blessing us. It's God testing our excellent spirit. Amen. And I hear it all the time, man, I got blessed the other day because I got by with this or I got by with that. Uh, you need to go back. I'll never forget one time I got out of Walmart, got the car and realized I didn't scan something. 
Turned around and went back in there. They thought I was plain psycho. They said, nobody's ever done that before. That's an excellent spirit. Again, not lifting me up, but it gives you an opportunity then to talk about Christ because you're separate, you're different. That's an excellent spirit. And so guys, we can go on all day about what an excellent spirit is, but when you walk in excellence, you know, God's going to bless you. When you're faithful to excellence and the things of God, and again, realizing I make mistakes, guys, we all make mistakes, saying, Lord, forgive me and get up and move on. But walk in that spirit of excellence. Next thing that happens is Satan, you know, when you're walking into excellence, it says the governors, the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Again, when you're walking in an excellent spirit, you continue to be faithful. We're lifting up Christ. Uh, We don't need people to promote us. God will promote us. We just need to be faithful and have an excellent spirit. Uh, The other thing here is uh, the Lord really hit me with in closing on this part here. But the the evil kings and Satan knew the only way to break Daniel down was to divide him away from God, break the excellent spirit, break his faithfulness. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be connecting or in connection with the rules of his religion. And we all know that story. They made a rule that you got to bow down and worship the king. You can't worship your God no more. What did Daniel do? He kept worshiping his God and he wouldn't bow down to their king. And we all know the end of that story. God promoted him. God blessed him. God moved him. So when you're successful, uh, when you're doing the things of God, Satan's going to come after you as well. And he's going to throw everything at you to break down your excellent spirit. And guys, not trying to be very mean today. But Satan, I think, has been using this tactic against our nation. All these things that I talked to you about earlier today that we don't do anymore, that caused us to water down our faith, if you will, in the things of God. And I think that's why we're ineffective or not as strong as we can be as a nation, because God isn't as strong as he could be in our life. And I believe the Lord spoke to me today and, and said these words, and I believe as thus saith the Lord... You take away my Sabbath, you take away the prayer, you take away the Bible, you take away the power. Amen. You guys get that today? You take away the Sabbath in your life, you take away the prayer, you take away the word, you're taking away the power. And that's what the world's tried to take away from this nation. Everything I talked about was the things of God, the great things of God. But I say he's been effective till lately because I see a movement going on in my spirit. I see a movement going on in this church. Man, things are happening in this body, guys. God is moving across this body. He's moving across many other bodies that are faithful to the Sabbath, faithful to the word, faithful to prayer, and power is following them because Christ said signs will follow the believers. And there's a great move of God going across this land today that I think is going to, there's going to be a great revival. There's already a great revival breaking out, but it's because we're getting back to being extraordinary in the things of God, having an excellent spirit in the things of God. And today I'm going to close with this, but the power in your life stems from God's love for you. Everything we talked about today cannot happen without God's love for us. And we read 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 4. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely 
and make your whole spirit, soul, and body be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. You can have an excellent spirit. You have, be back up, that was bad words. You have an excellent spirit. God's love made us whole in the body, the flesh, the soul, the mind, the spirit, the spirit of Christ that's in us. God is giving you an excellent spirit. God has given us an excellent spirit. He has made you whole. Whole means complete. God has made you complete. When you accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you have been made complete. The scripture said you have been made blameless. Blameless means innocent of wrongdoing above reproach. So he made your flesh whole, complete. He made your mind whole, complete. He made your spirit whole, complete. Uh, Guys, you don't realize, I think I've shared this, but coming up, I couldn't read very good. And I had trouble reading and they didn't have the, the special different designated classes they have now. They had special education or regular class. And so they put me in special education in seventh and eighth grade because I couldn't read. And they called it basic skills. And so we went in there and they said, if I couldn't read by the time I was a freshman, that, that I was going to be in special ed all through high school. And I remember mom and Paula worked with me and, and people worked with me and, and people got me to the point that I could read. But guys, in my flesh, I was so scared and, and so, even knowing I could read, you asked me to read in class, I'd choke. Uh, I was so intimidated because, uh, you know, my flesh, I may have been able to read, but the old devil was still attacking me. And I can remember one day, and it's been a few years ago, but the Lord took authority over that. He said, I've made you whole in the mind. I've made you whole in the flesh. I've made you whole in the spirit. And, and you've been healed of that. And so that intimidation and all that went away. And it tries to crop up. Sometimes when I stutter through my reading, it's trying to crop up and say, you're a dummy. You're a no good like everybody used to tell me back then. But Christ said, I made you whole. Physically and spiritually. First Peter 2.24 said, God loved us so much he made us healthy spiritually and physically. He himself bore our sins in the body on the tree that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You know what's so neat about this? Did anybody tell me what bore means? You're boring, pastor? No, not that. I'm about done. Bore here means made us whole. The other passage of scripture, Christ made us whole. On the cross, Christ made us whole. Jesus made us complete in the body, soul, and spirit. Jesus took, uh, 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 took our sin. Jesus forgave us of our sin. Jesus delivered us of our sin. And Jesus gave us power over our sin. Sin is not acceptable to God or to the believer. Did you catch that today? Thinking about our forefathers and how they tried to protect themselves in this country. Physical whole in the same way Jesus healed all of us of sickness and disease in your body. Jesus bore our sickness by his stripes you were healed. John G. Lakes was a guy that was back in 1915. He had a family of about 17 siblings. I think seven or eight of them died because of different things. So he lost brothers and sisters. He gets married to this good gal, and two years into the marriage, she gets tuberculosis. Then she gets heart failure. They couldn't do nothing with her, and they sent her home to die. And she's on the deathbed, and she's 
not far from death. And, 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 and this guy, Mr. Lakes, Reverend Lakes, he just, he loved God. He believed his word. He began to cry out to God and complain to God. And he screamed and he threw his Bible against the mantle of the fireplace. And the Bible fell open to Acts 10, 38. And it said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Right then, Lake realized that through this verse that God was not responsible for Jenny's illness or any illness. He then knew that it was the devil that was the cause of her being sick, and the devil was the one destroying his life. He began to, he began to believe for healing, and his wife began to get better and better, and eventually she got up and walked. Eventually, she went back to her lifestyle. She was healed. People were driving for everywhere. People were coming in because this miracle, it hit the papers. It was a big deal. There was a great move of God because of that. This guy, starting as a Methodist, Methodist begin with, went into Bible college, ended up that this guy had documented 100,000 miracles before he died. Documented. And that may not mean much to you guys, but I can remember at a, 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 in Web City preaching one time, and I was at the altar service just praying over people, and I was doing this, and people had their hands raised up, and I reached out and touched the lady's hand and, and said, you're healed in the name of Jesus, and just kept going. And she came up to me about two months later and said the Lord had healed her. She had a broken arm. At the time, the Lord had healed her instantly. I didn't know that. And so that's the ones that the hundred thousands of ones that he knew about. But look how God made a change in his life when he changed his thinking from God made me sick until no, God made me whole. God made me complete. God made me spiritual and physically whole. And so we need to do our our thinking changed our thinking changed today. Today, I threw a lot out there, but the, but the thing is, are we dating God or are we married to God? If you're not giving God your, your Sabbath, prayer, your word, these basic things that we talked about here, following what God's word says, man, you're probably struggling. You're probably just in a state of dating God. But if you're giving God all you have, I promise you, that he'll bring you through. I promise you that you act in an excellent spirit. God's going to bless you. You know, we're talking taxes right now. And, and I dread tax season because I'm considered a, a self-employed. And me and Karen just dread it. But we don't look to cheat on taxes because we know that if we operate in an excellent spirit, God's going to bless us. And he always has. And so we just need to do what is right. And walk in faithfulness, and God will bless us. So today, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the first step. That's the first step in this walk with Christ, is we got to choose him. we got to choose to be married. But after that, we got to continue to surrender ourselves. Continue to surrender our Sabbath, our prayer, our word. And when we do all this stuff, we're going to start seeing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control start welling up in our life.
We've had people surrendering lately a lot, and they're growing leaps and bounds in their faith. And I'm going to challenge us to continue to sprint surrender. A couple of weeks ago when I preached, <laughs> hey, don't worry about that. That's a miracle, baby. Amen. You cry, you cry, you cry. That doesn't bother me a bit. I like babies. God likes babies. He likes me, the biggest baby. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I milk it, don't I? Hey, you put some salve on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we surrender. A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching, and, and, and we were talking about how the disciples, Christ, would take them out to the sea there, and, and they were doing what Christ called them to do. And the word was saying they painfully were struggling against the waves. And here God told them to be out there, and they were painfully struggling against the waves. And, and we saw that the scripture said Jesus meant to walk by them. And it really bothered me because here they were out struggling, doing what Christ told them to do. And, and, and he meant to walk by them. And I said, Lord, show me why that he meant to walk by. Why did you want to walk by them when they were doing what you called them to do? They were being excellent. They were being in good spirit. And the Lord said, because their heads were down and they weren't crying out to me. And you see in that scripture, when the disciples did see Christ and they cried out to him, it changed Christ's mind. And he went and got in the boat with them and settled the storm. Guys, Christ is in here today. Christ is moving across this body right now, and he's begging some of you to give your life to him through salvation. He's walking through this room now and wanting, he's got his hand on your shoulder. Guys, I wasn't going to tell you this because everybody thinks I'm crazy anyway, but when I was worshiping God, I felt something touch my fingertip up there, and I looked up because I thought I'd brush the flag. I wasn't even close to any of that stuff. And I believe the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Ken, I want you to know I just touched you that I'm in this house. I'm with you. Say what I've told you to say. But that's so many times we forget Christ is in the house. He's with us, but we're so busy toiling against the things that he may have called us to do. He called me to marry this person, but, but we're fighting and we're, we're just, Lord, I know you told me to marry them, but it's just painful right now. We need to get our head up and look out to him and he'll get in the boat with us and calm us down. Whatever you're going through today, you may not feel good. And God, you called me to be a minister and I don't feel good and it's painful. Well, get your eyes up and look to him and he's going to get in the boat with you. Whatever it may be, some of us are struggling with our children. The Lord really hit me the other day that there are seed and he loves our children more than we do. And he cares for our children more than us. And why, man, we ought to bury in and pray for our kids more than ever. Man, I text my kids every week. I text them before I come into this pulpit. You guys, it's, it's Sabbath. You in church? And Joshua texts me back, leave me alone. I'm in the Sabbath, Dad. Quit texting me. I'm in church. You know, but we need to pray and we need to lift our kids up. Man, I prayed for my kids' spouses for as long as I can remember that God would give Amy a man that just loved her more than anything, that God would give Joshua a woman that would love him more than anything, that would bring them up in the things of God. We need to, to lift our children up. Man, if you, God loves them more than you do. Quit battling him. God, look at my children. Oh, God, look what they're doing. They're just like their mom. No, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. You know, it's fun to do that. But, but, but yeah, she's a beautiful girl, isn't she, guys? So you bail, not bail yourself out. 
But, but guys, we, we do that so many times. We got our heads down and we need to look up and see the Christ. And we then not only see him, but cry out, oh God, touch this situation. And sometimes it's simply just praying. That one time, that one prayer got you saved, right? Didn't take 50 prayers, just took one. But to lift it to the Lord. But the other thing in this passage of Scripture, I'm done after this, but, but, but they said they, they, that Jesus scared them. They were scared when they saw him walking on the water. What Jesus is telling you today, I reiterate today, that I did two weeks ago, that something Jesus may be asking you to do may be scaring the tar out of you. But just keep your eyes on him. Well, I just don't think this, we're going to make it financially. And, and I know you told me to do this, Jesus, just be faithful. And it may scare the, tie, the tar out of you, but stay in there. He's going to bless you. You be excellent in what he's called you to do. You be faithful in what he's called you to do. And it may scare the tar out of you. Come against that fear and anxiety and keep doing what he's called you to do. Amen? Amen. So as the praise team praises, or sings a song today, man, this is the key to it all. And I close with this, Ephesians 5.27 Jesus did all this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she, the church, you, might be holy without blemish. That's what it's all about. Jesus made you complete spiritually and physically. What do you need to surrender to him to go deeper into him today? Do you need to surrender your life to salvation? What do you need? Come to these altars and just surrender to him. Amen. Let's stand to our feet today. Father, we hear your word today. And Lord, we come against any critical spirit. We come against any judgmental spirit. We come against any spirit of unbelief. You're not welcome here. And you're not allowed in here. In Jesus' name, we command you to leave. But Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move across this body today. And Lord, you told me that you would change lives. That's what your word says. In Jesus' name. But you guys got to cry out and you got to come to him. Let's do that today.